0: I love Christmas time and for me I love the gifts and everything and, and I think this Christmas my favorite thing so far was watching Gavin overjoyed as he watched his brothers open gifts that he purchased and had made for them and he was just like lit up and excited um, but the Christmas time we're, we're so reminded this time of year how God above can to be God here? And when I knew that Doug was going to be gone this Sunday and next Sunday, I was praying, God, what should, we, what should we focus on this time of year? And it's real tempting to do some kind of like, well, it's the new year. What are the 15 things I want to change in my life? And we'd come up with a plan and we'd go out of here motivated and maybe a thing or two would change. Um, but this time, rather than Focusing on, on on making a lot of uh, promises to God from us, I thought it'd be good for us to kind of take a step back and just let God show Himself to us a little bit. And so this Sunday we're going to look at God's transcendence, God's bigness, His otherness, His majesty, His kingship, His power that's unending and, and limitless, and his faithfulness that is consistent, the transcendence of God. And the next week, we're going to look at God's imminence, meaning God here with us, in us, around us, for us, deeply involved in us. But before we run to that, because I think as Christians, especially in our, our western United States, we, we are so focused on Jesus and the imminence of God with skin on which is awesome, right? That we forget to sometimes give Jesus all the credit he's due. That he is God. Not just this amazing man that came and and said that he loves us and, and would take the cost for us, but he's God himself. So we're going to talk about transcendence, and I was tempted to use an old video clip from back in my Sesame Street watching days. So think back to Sesame Street. Do you remember, Grover, doing near-far? Near! Far? near t- 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 you walk right up to the camera. Far, he'd run way back into the background. So that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're focused on the far, and next week we'll be focused on the near. So if you want to grab your notes, we're going to start off with a very familiar passage of the Bible found in Proverbs, and it's that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of What? wisdom and what is wisdom answer that to yourself for a minute and if you can define wisdom with one or two words you're defining it wrong it's a whole picture in my opinion of what wisdom is so let's read that the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom fools despise wisdom and instruction our instruction today for the most part is going to be god revealing like he always does himself to us And then in Exodus, we read, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, and performing great wonders? Who is like him? We know the answer, right? But do we live like we believe it? Because that's what makes Jesus so profound, is who he really is and why he did what he did. Um, Have you been caught up in the craze this year? There were two crazes, in my opinion, this year. The normal Christmas craze and then a whole other phenomenon going on in our world this year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Star Wars. You could not get away from it. You still can't, can you? Jen and I, so many times, you turn on the TV, Star Wars is there. You look at Facebook or Twitter, Star Wars is there. You look at your neighbor's houses on my street, there's two houses with Christmas Star Wars decorations. You go to the stores, what are you surrounded by? Star Wars. My kids all got pajamas from multiple different people this Christmas. Guess what they were? Star Wars and Batman. I don't know where Batman came from, but he entered the mix too. So Star Wars is everywhere, and I haven't seen it yet. I do plan on going to see it. I'm a nerd. I'll I'll confess it. I'm all about it. But I was watching TV coverage because... We've been visiting the grandparents, and I don't know about your parents or grandparents, but mine are at the age now where they love to watch the news. They don't miss it. So we're watching news coverage of people at Star Wars, the initial watchers and everything. And, and there's some coming out with tears as they're telling how great the movie was. They're emotionally overwhelmed with how awesome it was. And at first, I want to kind of just laugh at that and point fingers at it and go, oh, my goodness, talk about flipped priorities. But at the same time, am I that overwhelmed with God's godness? Which sounds weird, right? God's just being who God is. Am I overwhelmed? Am I actively overwhelmed? Am I emotional in my response? Am I blown away? Or am I just kind of yada, yada, yada? The first third of my life, I grew up in Seattle, Tacoma area, and if you know that area, you don't see much of the sky, (laughs) right? And so once in a while, we we would say things like, oh, the mountain's out today, which meant that you could actually see far enough to see the mountain. (laughs) And once in a while, you'd see some stars. But then my family moved to eastern Oregon to a little town that most people pronounce Umatilla, but we say that it's Umatilla. And when I got out there, well, for one, you can see miles in the daylight because there's nothing out there, which was, it took some getting used to, seeing so far. But then at night, I could see stars, and I was overwhelmed by that. And I thought, that's pretty cool. But then I remember one day in college when Jen and I went to visit some friends of hers that were pastors in a town called Prospect. Anybody know where that is? It's a little smaller than Umatilla, Um, And it's outside of Crater Lake area. And we went there, and one night we went on this long hike into Nowheresville. And then the guy said, hey, let's just stop and look. And then I was overwhelmed. Because all the stars that I'd seen before that I thought were so amazing and had pointed me towards God's awe were there. But there was like 10 more layers of visible stars. You know what I'm saying? And there was no polluting light from anywhere around. And it was just this amazing depth of stars. And I'm like, oh. I, I, we didn't even know how to talk about it at that moment. We just stared and tried to make sense of that array of stars. And if we'll let ourselves just take a moment and stand or kneel in God's presence and just try to take him in. It's a little bit like that. Too many stars to count, too many layers to try to figure out. Your eyes and your mind are overloaded trying to make sense of it or even put, put mental handles on it so you can, can grasp what's going on. There's a passage in Psalm 90 I want to read to you. I don't have it on the screen, so you'll just have to listen. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to the dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight, like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night he's huge and he isn't even a you know what i mean we refer to god as he for the most part but even that concept is too small and limiting to really throw god into that he's outside of time And I love watching movies. Some of the favorite kinds of movies that I love to watch are ones that play with time. Like, what if? or What would it be like? Or would it alter this? God created time. Time's nothing to him. But it's everything to us. So we're going to talk about God's transcendence. God is exalted far above the created universe. How unsearchable his judgments are. His paths beyond tracing out. So he's utterly beyond me, us. He's over us, and he's completely alien and different than us. Except that we've been made in his image. And so there's some, there's some interesting things to think about there. I had a conversation once, and you're not going to believe this when I tell you this. But it's true, it's one of those God things and it makes you go, aha, God really is big. Um, I had an illustration planned at this point. I wanted to share a story about a friend of mine who we've had multiple throughout our lives. We've known each other a long time now. Long, intense, excited conversations about who God is and theology and just kind of everything. And uh, I've got that in my notes and I was working on the sermon and he texted me while I was out visiting family in eastern oregon he says hey what are you doing are you going to be in eastern oregon at all with family i said yeah he said but i will be leaving on saturday to come down and and preach sunday morning and then head back to get the rest of the family you should come and i just threw that in there for kicks but uh major aaron johnson is seated in the back row right over there he's the one with more gray hair than me i'm going to point that out don't pay attention to any of the other differences they don't go in my favor um, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, well, well." first off, he did check with the important powers that be, and then he joined on to the trip, um, but Aaron and I have known each other from back in high school, and I'm remembering, Aaron, I hope you remember this as well, a conversation we had when I lived in Clackamas at an apartment while I was going to Bible college at Multnomah, and I don't remember what we had done, but I remember sitting in our dining room, and you and I got started talking, like, the meaning of life and theology, and And just basically whipped out the Bibles and started running through them and had some spiral-bound notebooks out and were madly trying to write down notes and we were seeing how this fit in with this and this made sense with that. And just trying to grasp more of who God was and being overwhelmed by that, furiously writing things down and shooting back and forth. And like it was like spontaneous praise and, and discovery at the same time. And we've had multiple conversations like that, but I remember that one in particular and I to me that's theology theology you know roughly means the study of God or or trying to get to know God I would say my Matt's definition is uh seeking knowledge of God and familiarity or closeness with God like seeking to know him but also seeking to to draw near him in that Um, and I would say like grasping like just trying right to get to know God more and more. And that the proper result of theology then, in my opinion, don't tell this to my seminary professors, I don't know if they'd agree. Number one, growing in wonder and awe in response to God. Growing in my wonder and awe in response to who God is. And then number two, increased allegiance, meaning that as I grow in wonder and am overwhelmed with who God is and what he does and what he's about, that I fall more and more in love with and in line with that. Does that make sense? I found a great quote that I think explains uh, kind of why we're looking at these two things, transcendence and immanence, for the next two weeks. Because if you ask me, two of the core concepts of who God is to us are wrapped up in these two theological points, that he's other and bigger and transcendent and that he's here now and involved. It is only when we understand the transcendence of God that we see how amazing his immanence is. So it's only when we understand the huge otherness, largeness, farness of God that we see how amazing his nearness, relatableness, and involvement in our lives is. And what a huge privilege it is to be able to enjoy God's intimate friendship. Which if we let that soak in, that's just huge. So on the one hand, we're talking transcendency. Let's go to the next slide there. Here's some definitions straight from Webster's. Transcendent means going beyond ordinary limits, surpassing, exceeding expectations. Superior or supreme, or the transcendence of deity, transcending the universe itself and time and everything else. Then on the flip side, immanence, remaining within, indwelling something inherent and there of deity, indwelling and being in and involved in the universe and time and Emmanuel, God with us, which fits so well with our season. Also, my favorite Christmas song. Oh come, oh come. If we turn to Acts, Paul makes a speech after arriving there, and he speaks to the scholars and the philosophical, philosophical debaters in their language. And it says this, While Paul was waiting for them, the others, in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere around in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square as well to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas that he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods, and I think that got to him. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, the high council said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. I love that statement. Just talking. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. Now listen for transcendence here. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Transcendent God. Here's imminent God. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, making himself known to us, available. Though he's not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere to repent of their sins and turn towards or to him. God is other and he's here. He is so far beyond and so involved right here. There's a warning for us in that passage that worship without knowing really sticks out when you read it. And there's so many dangers for us. Um, I know especially as a younger teen, that first thing there, inheriting faith without personal ownership, I was all wrapped up in that. Something that you have believed and have been taught and have been modeled and it's there and it's just for some people like me at that point, it was just a matter of fact. I never questioned God's existence. I always believed that there was God and believed the stories of the Bible. But... I didn't personally own that. It was something of our family. It was something of my background and tradition and history. And something I agreed was true, but I didn't let it personally affect me like it was intended. So it's kind of like I was loving God from a distance. And when I think of some of our, our friends, including my friend Aaron, um, my brother in law Brian, who were both in military service. And especially when I think of my brother-in-law, Brian, who's served overseas so many times in their relationship so far with his wife, I think how ridiculous and, and foreign and wrong, in a sense, it is for him to go and serve. In the, I'm, I'm so thankful he does, don't get me wrong. But that it's not natural to go and be... He got married and then went. And he's missed the birth of all of his kids. He's there, he's a great dad, great husband. But loving from a distance like that, I think how hard would that be, right? And then they're back together and then he's gone, and then they're back together and then he's gone. And I'm so thankful for all the folks who do that for me and others like us in our nation. But loving from a distance, like imagine you've, you've had this crush on somebody for so long, and they finally express that they're interested as well. You're, you're on cloud nine. But then you're like, let's, let's date, but let's live in other areas. Er-. And so you move apart, but continue to date. Has anybody had one of those long-distance relationships? Imagine choosing that by choice, right? Like, we don't want to love from a distance. We want to love near. But we love God from a distance a lot. I'm um, both because we simply take him for granted and forget and just drink whatever love when we think we need it. But even then, we're taking advantage of his love and loving him from a distance rather than coming near. Or entirely missing the boat. God's out there. His power is untapped if we don't rely on it as far as in our own personal lives. His nearness to us means nothing if we don't take advantage of it. If we don't respond to it, we can miss the boat. So let's talk about God's transcendence again. Um, I was really convicted at one point in my life. I, I got the opportunity to hike for a few weeks as a great Bible teacher in Israel. And we just got done doing a three-day stretch of hiking through the Judean wilderness and the desert and uh, seeing some amazing um, formations of earth and the mountains in the distance and then seeing the sea and, and, and we had a chance to be at Galilee and all that. Um, but then one day, following all that, we come hiking over this rise above a, a well-preserved um, Greco-Roman city. Just like you would picture like in, you know, the encyclopedia or something with tall marble columns, granite columns and, and a gymnasium and an auditorium theater, and the university, and this amazing main road. And all of us on this hiking trip whipped out our cameras, and, and we were all excited and overwhelmed. We're just talking all over each other. And we're like, whoa, check it out. It's a stadia, and it's all this. And the teacher from back behind us, I hear him yell out, God, why? And he throws his hats down, and he starts praying for us that God would convict us and he'd open our eyes. And I know he was doing it to teach us something. And I listened, and I listened, and listened. Then finally he stopped his prayer and we all stopped talking and taking pictures and, and selfies and, and all that. And he says, for a week now, we've been walking through God's creation. Beautiful things. You've seen, you've seen the stones laying at Peter's house. You stepped on temple steps where Jesus' feet touched. You've been walking through and around the mountains. We've talked about how God provided through the desert and you experienced the desert. And the thing you have responded to the most is something man-made. And we were just like... And almost everybody on this trip is a pastor. And we, I don't think we talked for at least an hour as he led us then down into the city and we walked through the thing we'd been so enamored with. And it was cool. But it was very convicting. Sometimes we do that with God's love, with his plan for us, with everything about God. His plan for me. I would rather be excited about and involved in my plan for me than his plan for me. I would rather be excited about and chasing after the passions that I choose rather than he chooses. I would rather pursue peace and love and people's approval than his already given approval and peace. Yeah, yeah, do you think through that? We're so fixated on ourselves and others. There's a book I read um, called Astonished, Recapturing the Wonder, Awe, and Mystery of Life with God. Great title. Um, and in the intro, he talks about one of my favorite books uh, that C.S. Lewis wrote in the Narnia series. And he's quoting uh, a moment when Lucy has had a chance, if you, if you know the Narnia series, uh, Lucy is one of the daughters of Eve, one of God's children, and God is represented with, uh, by a lion, Aslan. And she's laying down with Aslan after coming back to be with Aslan in Narnia. She had met him before, and she's back now. And she says, oh, Aslan, dear Aslan, at last. And the giant lion rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her. She gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you are older, little one, he answered. Not because you are, said Lucy. No, I'm not, said Aslan. But every year that you grow, you will find me bigger. I like that line. Every year that we grow, every year that we know God, he will be bigger. In a sense, we'll have more questions about who he is than when we started the journey. But more trust and more wonder, and more excitement about him, and who he is, and what he's about. I'm a kid of the 80s. There was a movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids back then. You guys remember that one? Horribly dumb movie, but it was, it was entertaining, because they shrunk people down. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk God. I love that, that teaching that there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, put there by God, that only he is meant to fill. But I've spent my entire life knowing that God was real and trying to put God in a box of some sort, one way or another. God is this. God always does this. God is all about this. God can do this. He can have this area of my life. And every time, and sometimes it takes longer because I'm really holding on to that box and trying to force him into it, he blows the box out. He's both this and this. He's so contradictory to my analytical, logical mind. And I try to pin him down. But he is incredibly loving and giving of grace, but he's also so just and right. And I can't, I can't box him. I can't limit him. And when we do overly try to nail God down, we do limit him. Not limiting his powers, but limiting our ability to recognize all that he is. I think there's a reason why the Bible tells us that nobody could see his face and survive. We can only handle a little. And so we, we settle for these these boundaries that we put on God, and he constantly has to help us to see beyond those. Shopping for Jen, I was at JCPenney's, and I walked past their jewelry counter, and I thought, oh, she loves, you know, little pieces of jewelry, and she's super practical, so I know it doesn't have to be expensive. I love my wife. (laughs) And I'm looking at these, and there's this one that caught my eye. It was really pretty, but I couldn't buy it because it said on it, true love comes from within, And the more I thought about that, that really bothered me. Because, yeah, I can see where they're going with it. And they're very much trying to redefine what love is, right? To say true love is not all that other stuff. It comes from within. But then I was like, no, true love is definitely from without. Because every version of love that we've experienced within meaning within this this world and within the existence of humanity, not true in that sense, in the same sense, right? God's love is that much more true, real, right, consistent, selfless, and overwhelming that every version of love that we have is simply shadows of that. And I think we had an amazing example this morning with the Hughes. That's love, And that's amazing love and commitment, but even that is blown out of the water by God's love. True love comes from without, and we're so glad. True strength comes from without, outside of us and outside of our existence, and we should be glad. But sometimes we're not, because we want to be strong and we want to be put together and we want to have it figured out. But when we're in that place, we're not allowing true strength to be our strength. True truth is from without. It's from outside of us and outside of our existence. It simply is true. And even though so many things in this life don't measure up to God's truth, it doesn't change. What he says is true and the fact that he and one of the things I love about our free Methodist tradition and be a part of this church is the free Methodists are all about acknowledging that God has this plan of restoration and healing for all of creation and all that he does and that's what he's about. True truth is being restored over time by God the more and more we allow him to speak it into us. He is greater than I. Have you seen those bumper stickers? It's one of my favorites, and I don't like bumper stickers, but I like that one. If I ever find one, I'm going to put it on my car. He is greater than I. God's overwhelming greatness should always drive us to wonder and awe. And when you are in awe or you are overwhelmed with wonder, what do you do? How do you respond? What's it look like to be in wonder or awe? You probably saw it from some kids around Christmas time. What's it look like? Right? You can hear it. You can see it. My boys still believe Santa's real. And they knew it was me dressed up as Santa out there when we had the open house. And they said, oh, Daddy, we know you were just helping Santa that day. But the real Santa's coming. I mean, what? <laughs> and then when Santa's gift showed up and the plate full of cookies had all but one eaten, they are like, whoa! That's wonder and awe. <laughs> Plato said that all philosophy begins with wonder. And that once something is fully explained and understood, the mystery, the wonder, and the awe are gone. I'm so thankful God doesn't fully explain himself to me. While at the same time, it's my chief complaint to him, right? God, I want to know why. God, why this? God, why that? God, explain this. Did they have a belly button? God, tell me all the answers. But I'm so glad he doesn't. Because believe me, if God can fit in this head, we're all in trouble. Big trouble. (laughs) I think there's three main aspects of God, and we're going to transition into leading into our Selah time with this. Normally during our Selah, which we translate as take moment to pause and think about it, normally we would have communion and that kind of thing. Tonight, or today, this morning... Um, We're going to look at three aspects of God's transcendency and kind of ponder some questions, some probing questions. In other words, we're going to feast on God, but it's going to be feasting in a different way rather than bread and wine. So creator of all. God is creator. You can't get past that one, right? God is the creator. He put it all in place. In Colossians 1, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That sounds like immanence. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. For through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Not for us, for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. So what are the implications of that? That God is the creator God and that our very existence and every aspect of our very existence is actually held in his hands and could be dropped by him at any moment. Any element of it would wipe us out. But he sustains, we're well made. We exist at his desire and it wasn't to please us, but to please him. We are dependent by design. We were never meant to be fully independent from God. And that to find our purpose, we need to look to our creator. My son Gavin loves Legos. He got several Lego so- sets for Christmas. I-, I can only imagine, after he built one of his Lego creations that he was showing me all of, if one of those Lego creations, like, looked back at him all of a sudden was like, Nope! What if I was more like this? And became a truck instead of a robot. Right? Gavin would be blown away and upset, and rightly so, because he was the builder, designer, creator. And he knew what that was supposed to be. So here's some questions to ponder as part of our pause and think about it time, as far as God is creator. Are we thankful, on the next slide, are we thankful for how we are made? Are you thankful for how you're made? Don't just dismiss that question. Really ponder it again. Especially if you're looking at the new year and going, well, this needs to change and this needs to change and this needs to change and this needs to change. Are you really thankful for who you as an individual are and how you were made? Are you truly thankful that as humans we were made in a limited fashion so that we have to depend on God to really exist well and be healthy? Do I live as a person of great value without concern for other people's opinions or approval? Knowing that my true identity is shaped by God And that it's his approval that is already given. And are we living with the purposes that God made us for? Are we living for the purposes and reasons that God intended us for? Do I really know the purposes God has for me? Have I really searched for the purposes that God has for me? In this season of life and in life overall? Are we living comfortably in that purpose. Comfortably enough, I guess would be a better way to put it. Where we're a participant in the purpose God has for us instead of an obstacle. Or has my purpose been simply defined by other people's expectations or by my place of employment? These cut deep, don't they, if you really start thinking about it. Okay, so God's creator God. Now we're gonna move on to God's holiness. You'll have a little more time to think on those questions in a, in a minute. So God is holy and righteous. He is so right and so perfect and so pure and so good that he is the definer of what is good and what is right. And so holy means separate and, and sacred. And set, It just means it's God's. Holy means God. Holy means it's God's realm. So God is holy. Isaiah 57 says, The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. And then in 1 Peter we read, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy the scriptures say you must be holy because i'm holy i used to run away from that passage man and i've embraced it a lot more now being part of the free methodist church That we are called to holiness we are commanded to holiness we are led into holiness and we're told how to be holy meaning more and more and more set apart set aside devoted to god allied with god following after god So the implications are big. God defines what is right. He defines what is good. He defines what is true. And he defines what is healthy. Think about that. God is something truly other than us that we should strive to come to allegiance with. So here's the questions to think of. Do you live, do I live, do we live an other kind of life like God does, a holy life, a good life as defined by his description of what holy, good, right is. This has so many implications. One, one is, could, you, could the way that I use my time, if I apply this principle, the way that I use my time might be called into question by God. And is there perhaps somewhere or some way else that I should spend my time with God's direction rather than where I initially would want to spend it. And we could talk about money and resources and spiritual gifts and all that, but I think for me at least, and I think for our society, time may be the biggest or most costly or or the one that we're most aware of. When I'm asked to to write a check, I feel it and I can do it because I'm not like rich, but I've got money. But when I'm asked to give my time, that's a deeper level of commitment, right? You know what I'm talking about there? And secondly, are we letting God define what is good for us? Or are we defining in our own life what is good for us? Or are we letting other people define in our life what is good for us? Some of the things that with God out of the picture that people would fully agree are healthy, right choices to make, with God in the picture, might not be. A book that I love and hate at the same time is called Boundaries. By some Christian counselors. It's got incredible good stuff in it. But at the same time, if anybody's gonna tell us to drop our boundaries and be pushed beyond and to give more than we should, it's gonna be God. And it should be God. Lastly, God's power. We could talk about lots of aspects of God's transcendency, but okay. His power, omnipotence is. Limitless strength and power. That's the one that sticks out to me. Psalm 77, verse 13 says, O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. I love that. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder, we've seen that lately, right? The thunder and lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. Nobody knew that pathway was there or could be there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. God, can do anything God's resources never run out and God can handle everything that can be and everything that will be and we know all three of those implications in our mind but do we know them actively in our life and heart God can do anything God's strength, love, patience, you name it never runs out and God can handle everything that could be and will be Hanging on to those three things would erase our worry and stress quite a bit. And so when we find ourselves in those places, we have to go back to those simple but profound truths of God's otherness that's beyond us. Are you draw- Here's the questions to think on for this. Are you drawing on God's strength, power, wisdom, and love in your life? Or are you relying more on your own? Because where God's doesn't run out, ours certainly does. Does how I spend my time in life show a pattern of seeking after God? Am I being fed by God and reading the Bible, speaking and listening to him in prayer, worshiping with others, and seeking wise counsel? Am I running on empty? Are you running on empty in life? Or feeling like you're just kind of in a survival mode, just getting by? Which we all end up at, at times, but staying there. Do you believe and actively trust that God can, and here's the kicker, and if he thinks it's good, will? And are we able to swallow that pill when God's version of good is different than ours? We need to choose to be overwhelmed by God. Who knows this old song? My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's for you and me. That was drilled into me as a kid. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. I want my God to be bigger than anything I can consider. Definitely bigger than anything I face. And I want him to overwhelm me. Before we left town, we were in a hurry and so rather than cooking dinner, we took our boys to Sizzler. Which, I'd never been to Sizzler here. But we were here, and, and we were eating our meal, and we were loud. If you spend time around my family and realize that we have three boys, we're loud. And I'm loud, so we're loud. And Jen is patient. <laughs> but we sat there at our table, and right next to our table, right across the way by the windows, was a couple, obviously been married for a while to the point where they almost looked a little bit like each other. Have you noticed that? How? Yeah, okay. So they're at the table. They're there before we start our meal, and they're there after we start our meal. The entire time, I'm noticing two things. One, that we're loud, and we're near them. And so my mind's like, how do I keep this all under control? while they're running to grab ice cream. And then the other thing I'm noticing is that they never spoke a word to each other until he went to go get ice cream and he offered for her to come and she said no 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 you go ahead that was literally it the entire time we were there and believe me in the amount of time they said that one phrase our turbo-tongued family said a lot and I just thought man well one thing they're comfortable with each other and so that's kind of cool. Like silence, I guess, didn't scare them. But I, also, I felt kind of sad. And, and I'm, I'm sure at some point in my life, I'm going to be sitting at a table and Sizzler seeing a loud family and I'm going to be doing the exact same thing. But I, I thought, man, I hope I don't get to the place where all the mystery and wonder of this other individual, Jennifer, that I've been so blessed to have in my life has been explored. And now we're simply there and we just eat and look up at each other and look down at our food and look up at each other and look down at our food. You know, and I was, after a while, I'm, I'm really getting fascinated, so I'm looking closer, I'm going, are they making eye contact and, and like doing those kind of things that, you know, married couples or dating couples sometimes do, give each other eyes and stuff? No, no, they were just there eating. And then I was, you know, I was talking with Jen about that afterwards and, and we both thought about how we look at God. How seldom sometimes we look at God. Where's that wonder? Where's that sense of awe and being overwhelmed that God is simply more and that He makes all of that available to me? We need to seek Him with a hunger knowing that as we seek him it will bring us closer to him and it will also convince us more and more that what he is and what he's about is good and right and we'll let go of more and more of the things we define as good to pick those up three three applications at the end here don't rush past the wonder <laughs> I'm so I wanna, you know, I'm I'm working on these two sermons and I'm like, man, I want to do the second sermon about Jesus, and we can rally and say it's awesome that Jesus is here. Don't run past the wonder of God's bigness just to get to the imminence of who God is. When we do that, we lose the impact of the magic. As soon as you know how the magic trick is done, right? Oh big deal. So he had it in his sleeve. But before that, man, that guy was magical. Value of the journey. It's not just the destination, right? God purposely timed because he controls time. Jesus came when he did, how he did, for a lot of reasons. Don't skip the Old Testament. It's important. So next one. Move past struggling with what we don't know and just dive into the mystery. Be more comfortable with questions and less insistent on answers. And just leave the anxiety of not figuring it out behind, knowing that, yeah, it doesn't make sense to us. The way God does stuff, his timing, the different ways he He speaks to us, the things he either throws into our life or allows our life to encounter does not make sense to us. But there's such a plan. And realize that it is good that God is bigger and beyond and has a better plan than ours. And then... Choose to happily take on our proper role. I couldn't make that any shorter. Choose to happily be who I'm meant to be, meaning there's creator, there's follower, or created. Um, We are meant to depend on him. Be happy about that instead of fighting it. And then seeking forgiveness for all the doubts, arguments, and complaints we have. And thankfully, God is bigger than all our doubts, arguments, and complaints as well. Amen? So when you have a complaint, doubt, or argument, please let them do what they're supposed to. Because God likes to take us to places, you you, you may not like this, I truly believe God likes to take us and walk us into places of challenge, struggle, doubt, um, confusion, to an extent, all leading us back to him. Not confusion for confusion's sake, but allowing us to be human and live in our humanity so that we see deity for how great it is and the love that he gives us through that. So when you have a complaint, doubt, or frustration with God, take it to him every time. Go to him. He's got big shoulders. He's super strong. Let him have it. And then listen. And stand back. And humble yourself. And wait and see. Because God, I think God loves it when we wrestle with him. But you might limp afterwards. God, every day I want you to become bigger in my life, and I want, I want you to help my understanding of you to become bigger. And God, even, even though I know that as you challenge my, my own perception of who you are and what life's about, even as you challenge and stretch that, God, it hurts And I'm reluctant to let go of things at times, especially my own convictions. And sometimes those get in the way of your convictions that you're trying to plant in us. God, blow our minds. We are so thankful, God, that you came and that Jesus is our Savior. But we're so thankful that you created and that you provided and that you sustain, and that you make yourself visible as far off and as greater and bigger but also as super near to us by choice. Break our, our limitations, God, and our, the boxes that we try to throw you into or the roads we try to force your plan down Help us to be more open to your, what we look at as curveballs, but for you, it's, it's the straight and narrow path, the right way, the good thing, the best and right thing for us. And God, we're so thankful that in your patience, you allow us to make our own decisions and to walk down some paths that cost us and you use even those costly mistakes and paths and, and moments of, of strain. God, you use those, even those tools to point us towards you and to lead us towards agreeing with what you say is good and right and holy and true. God, show us you this week. Help us to see you in creation. Help us to see you in relationships with others and in other people. Help us to search for you in the Bible, in the entire context of the Bible, God, and not just a few key passages that we love, but the big picture of you. And speak directly to us, God. Reshape us. Amen.